Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Scale Building Podcast, where we explore building communities, building businesses, and building homes. I'm really stoked for today's guest. It's Jessica Pudicombe from Coldwell Banker. We discuss various topics on real estate, and I think there's so much value of what she's bringing to the table as a real estate agent. So please enjoy the show, like and share, and let us know what you think. Thanks. Jessica, well, thanks for being on the show. So happy to be for you to be here. Tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Well, what would you like to know about myself? So, where, where did you grow up? How did okay. you get into real estate, for sure. and why real estate? Okay, well, I grew up um, just south of Rosalind on a grain and cattle farm, um, and sheep farm actually. So okay. it's kind of a little bit of everything. And I went to school at Daysland. I graduated Daysland, so farm girl, and. I got into real, is that the next question? Yeah, okay, well, good, good. Uh, I got into real estate basically because I've always been in human services, okay? So mm-hmm. start there, been in human services, love working with people and helping people. Now everyone says that, I wanna be in real estate so I can help people. Yep. Okay, well I was in human services helping people and I loved it as well. But this just goes with all of the dynamics. Real estate helps with help, obviously helping people, but the sales component, the, the, the candid talks, the you know finding their forever home, I was doing this in um, human services for many, many years, um, helping people in outreach, helping them find their perfect place to settle after they've left. I worked at a women's shelter for years, and it it just seemed like it was a good fit. Plus, if I'm being honest, I was on MLS, like the (laughs) realtor.ca, probably 300 times a day. Like I would just click in, see if there was, there was always auto populations coming up, um, the new houses on the market. an old realtor, uh, Kathy Niven. Okay. So she was um, my realtor for years. Now that poor lady must have toured me to about you know 150 houses, looking at houses, and I never did buy one through her. And man, oh man, I owe that lady like <laughs> I owe that lady the world. She took me around, and it was awesome. I got to experience you know looking at new houses. I did buy a house. I mm-hmm. should clarify, I did buy a house. <laughs> yeah. But I mean after I had bought that house, I was already addicted to the looking and so you want something different and something else comes on the market. Um I don't know. I guess real estate always my I was my dad is an auctioneer. Okay. So sales is in my blood. I was pretty much at the auction site since I was 2 and I don't know, just love people and when it became the not just real estate but to the broker into the owner yep. portion <clears throat> That was the biggest transition, I think. So just being with people and having the flexibility to hang out with them and show them houses and to have happy people all the time. I mean, in human services, obviously it's really cyclical and there's a lot of, of sad things that happen. Yeah. And being in this industry, it's it's basically happy. I mean, there's an odd time that somebody might be disgruntled, but I mean, I just love the fact that everybody around you is super happy, they're super engaged. Um, but the transition to broker owner mm-hmm. was a hard one because now you're going back into management. Yep. Um, and my husband and I made a decision. It wasn't a light decision, but the decision was, um, how are we going to be able to affect the majority of people? Um, we're Christians and we wanted to be able to, you know, give back to the community and, and shine God's love. And that is one of the biggest things that we prayed about before we went into this journey was, do we just stick it out the way that we're doing it yeah. and run the family farm and be kind of burning the candle at both ends and not really being effective in our community? Or do we do something like this and help a team grow and shine God's love through our team? Nice. So that's where the that's how we made our decision. Yeah. And it has been a very, very 
great decision. So when did you guys take over as a broker? So I took over February 1st of 2018. So, and it's not really a takeover. I bought a fair and square, but. (laughs) So there was a coup at Coldwell. Yeah, yeah, there was a coup, it was a takeover. Um, No, it definitely, this was one of those transition things where uh, you have to make big decisions, right? Like, do you want to go back into management? Do you want to, you know, lead people? And we, and we do in essence, like I am, a leader and I love to do that and yeah. I think it's I think it's been good because I, as our community has seen in the last year and a half it's been amazing and yeah. we've really shone a lot and awesome. not just in real estate so it's about giving back so. absolutely great yeah so part of the show that we do is we pick up bakeries oh. so something from the bakery and we we rate it Eric, so it's kind of start with Aaron Lucky as our, as our first uh, interviewee. Um, sorry. About <laughs> oh, that. So we so this is a pumpkin spice muffin from Tim Hortons, and it's I I love them, uh, so we're gonna rate it. Okay. Can, I know I, the whole gluten thing came up, and actually I I brought uh, I brought peanut butter to Patricia. Um, Oops. It, and and then but I was like, are you allergic to peanut butter? And she's like, no. I'm like, okay, good. I thought I was gonna kill you live on set. Um, so anyway, so pumpkin spice muffin from Tim Hortons. Rate right on texture, so we can do out of five out of ten. Okay. Texture, taste, and convenience. <clears throat> so convenience is how you know how you handle it. Is it messy? How convenient is it to eat? Wow. Right. Okay. So. And we have to eat the whole thing. You don't have to. Eat, no, you okay. do not have to eat the whole thing. <laughs> okay. Because our our we had one show where we got a certain baked uh, baked good. Okay. Uh, that I didn't enjoy, so I had like one bite. <laughs> okay. So you can eat as much of it as you want. You know what? The, with these ones, I love them. And what I would love to do, if it was a perfect world, is just have a spoon mm. and just scoop the center out, mm. right? Because it's got that cream cheese filling in it. Like I wish the cream cheese filling were like more mm-hmm. like spots, mm-hmm. just just the center. Mm-hmm. center. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, tis the season. Tis, tis. Mm-hmm. This, definitely is this still, pump- is this still the season? Does that go? The season goes through Christmas. It does right? Yeah. No, does no? it? Is it just October? I think it starts peppermint season. Peppermint mm. season starts in November. November, remember, right? right? right. It's like the peppermint cocoa <laughs> season. Come on, I'm sure we've been through a drive-through or two, right? I'm like, yeah, what, what happens mm. next? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. All right. So taste. Where, where does it sit on the taste factor? You know, it's it's just scrumptious. Yeah. It's great. So out of ten, what would you give it? I'd give it a good nine. Ooh, that is good. I'd give it a good nine because it's you know that pumpkin, nutmeg. I just want to get to the center. Like, who's going to do? I'm like, really taking like my that, time. That's the thing. Like, I mean, who wants to eat all this outside when you got the center there? So true. Right? And I, like, look at me. That's how I do it. So I couldn't eat this good, in the... You got a good one. I couldn't eat this in the car very well. True. Right? Like, I, I'm sure I have. Two hands. Two hands. I have. Yeah. Well, you don't really want to do two hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're not driving, <laughs> that is. That's what I meant. You have two hands and a knee, right? That's true. <laughs> so, are you unwrapping with the knee or are you driving with the knee? I drive with the knee. I have to admit, and I I have friends who would just cringe. Oh, and uh, I've done that too. But yeah, like I've been a commuter for all of my all of my years of work. Yeah, and I used to commute two hours from Forsberg every like two, an hour mm-hmm. to oh work an hour back for two years. And I mean, people have got to know I'm and eating in there. I'm doing things in there. My knees driving like there's hour- nobody on the road. <laughs> Okay, so... It was, okay, so I'm, first, first, I'm hitting the cream cheese. Okay, okay look okay. at how I managed to do that. Good, well done. So an hour commute is, I think, is long. Is mm-hmm. Like, when we moved to Camrose, we... I, saw, I still had a week left of work in Edmonton. And when we're, where we used to live in, Col- in Colwood Cove, which is on the north side of Cooking Lake, is about 45 minutes to, to a okay. From Camrose is an hour. And that 15 minute, like, making it an hour just... 
Yep. Ooh, that was that's long. Well, that's when it was drive. snow, it was an hour and fifteen. Yes. Right. That's not, oh, snow and ice. And so and ice, and I had a great um, boss who said, "You just leave earlier, you know." And they'd call me. They wouldn't realize that I have to get up so early to leave. Right. And they call me and I'd be halfway, they'd be like, the roads are too icy, don't come in, it's not safe. I'd be like, well, I'm already halfway yeah. there, so I'm not turning around. So, I mean, commuting, I, so this, with commuting, as you can see how I eat. Wow. Right? Like, I pick it apart and just eat the good stuff, right? Oh, okay. Right? So, like, I eat totally different. show, show. I, I eat from one side and all the way across. And not, I pick I mine apart. I do not dismantle <laughs> Right, so that's a personality thing. It is totally. It's totally got to be personality thing. But I did get the goods first. Fair, it's so it, true. I that can show time. my impatience. Ah, you know, yeah. my husband always says you're so impatient. I said, well, our impatience got us a lot of things fast. <laughs> this is true. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so we so nine on taste, texture. Where does it sit? I don't know. I'd say it's. I mean, it's a great nine. I it love is. this stuff. It's right? true. I'm a big fan too. Right. Okay, and then convenience. So. Okay, well, obviously it's a two-hander. Obviously, you're not going to go through the drive-through. Well, I mean, you're doing a great job. You know what? This is tough enough. You could probably have just managed to like eat. <laughs> okay, well, the way you're doing as a, as a man, I yeah, like if I was driving, you're I, used I, I wouldn't burgers be too, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 you could do it. Yeah, I totally, totally. Yeah, but when I'm just in it for the the good stuff, <laughs> right? That's a bad thing. That's a bad personality flaw. That's tough to get to. In for the good stuff. So convenience. What are you giving it? I'm giving it for myself probably a five. Five, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I'm a big fan. So taste and texture. Texture is good. It feels maybe a little on the softer side. So I give it an eight. I feel like oh. it got a little underdone. I don't know. Well, um, mushy is. Mushy. I guess, yeah. yeah. So maybe I'm going down to an eight. Okay. It is kind of and mushy. And the convenience, I agree, is a five because you need the two hands. Even driving, it's just sketchy. Yeah. And, uh, for the record, we do not recommend anyone driving and eating. <laughs> Especially when we said driving with the knee. Yeah, that's sure. not what we were yeah, saying. No, not driving with the knee. Yeah. All right, real okay. estate. So <laughs> we're getting back to where, real estate. Where's where's the market at right now? What's what's happening? Uh, and I'm not talking statistics. I'm saying kind yeah. of what what is going on in, in cameras. Okay, so I think now, if you want my candid opinion, I believe there's been a lot of fear. Your honest opinion. My, okay, it's my honest, not the lie. Okay, okay. this is the honest one. There's been a lot of fear mongering. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of people saying a lot of things. It's a few, <clears throat> and now I could get into big trouble by saying this politically, but I think there's a, 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 a few that are making it appear a lot worse than mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. Um, and yes, going back to stats, because that's what I can look at. But in yeah. 2015, we had higher priced listings. Yeah. Okay. A lot higher price, maybe 20,000. Average. Average. Average list price. Yeah. Okay. Then this year, from 2015. But interesting is that the sale price is only $1,800 apart. Hmm. So if you really look, yeah, they listed higher, but they didn't get that. Oh, I see. Yeah. So so it's interesting because people only see what it's, what it's listed for, yeah. and then they'll see a sold sticker, like Ooh. on the newspaper, whatever. And they're like, oh, that sold for $320,000, but really they got two eighty. dollars it's just, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of misperception. And there's also, like, let's talk about buyers a little bit in, sure. in this, the city of Cameron. And that's the city of Cameron stat, by the yes. way. In the city of Cameron's buyers, um, I think they're analyzing what they're buying. And I know um, Glenda Strauss had brought a little slogan in um, from an email that she got. And it said, you know, we're in a market of um, paralysis by analysis. Mm -hmm. Which I then researched a little bit further because you know me and researching, and that's actually a type of personality. It's a, on the Enneagram, it's a number one, yeah. which if that makes a difference to anybody. But 
honestly, that's what's happening is we have a lot of number ones. Mm. <laughs> we have people out there that are just analyzing, sitting on their hands, not wanting to reach into their pockets. So we have a lot less buyers. Yeah. But another interesting thing from last year to this year is that we're only two more days on market on average in the city of Camrose hmm. than last year. Just two. That's not bad. Our average, like the average for the city is 111 days on market and we're, we were at 79 last year and this year we're at 70 days on market. Okay. So we're doing quite well here. Yeah. So, I mean, my analysis- Here, here in Camrose or in Cobalt Bank or in our brokerage. Yeah, we're doing well. And yeah. what I can also speak to is maybe what's happened is that people are listening to the realtor. How do we sell? How do we get the most money for our house? Yep. Maybe they're listening more. Maybe they're, you know, in 2014, when I do a walkthrough, there was a lot of houses that were not upkept and not clean. And, you know, we would do pictures and there would be things all in, in different rooms, all stacked up. Yep. And I think people are really listening now and they're, they're listening to the realtor, you know, to declutter, clean it, um, take all the personal things out, allow us in for professional photography and staging, yep. you know, so pe people have to work harder to sell and we're definitely working harder to sell. Mm -hmm. And I get that because I mean, some of the realtors are doing three open houses a day right. and they're trying really hard to get them marketing for that product. Yeah. So we might, we're working harder and I think that's where some of the disgruntlement is coming as well. Gone are the days from 2015, even when I started. You know, you put your picture in the paper and you get a call or two, you get a listing, you get five new buyers. Right now, you can get three new listings and maybe get one new buyer, if that. Yeah. So that's what's kind of happened is we're kind of in that market of just stalemate. But when you look at the <clears throat> the numbers, the number like the numbers speak a lot more than so, anything. So what I hear you saying is on average, or the when comparison to previous years, we're we're not we're very similar. Oh, like very not, similar. Not much hasn't changed. Like, but in terms of like the perception of what, like you know, if you turn on the news, if you yeah, anything you look at, really, right? There's, yeah. there's a lot of uncertainty. I think is well, a really and then, strong word. And then in the real estate profession as well, and I and I can speak to this because I'm a realtor, so I'm allowed to say this. But in the real estate profession, you can slide down the slope of negativity if you're not right. getting sales, and if you're not getting a paycheck for three months, that sucks. Yeah. But what are you doing to obtain that paycheck? How are you working? How are you changing? How are you developing? How yeah. are you growing in your business? Yeah. So you have to ride with the market and yeah, there's gonna be easier days where things are gonna happen easier, but for right now you have to work harder. So I think realtors in and real estate professionals um, have created a lot of that sense too when they sit down with sellers and saying, oh, it's a tough market. And right. is that a bad answer if they don't sell the property? Right. Is that a way of like cushioning the fall when Bad sales, like bad sales when tactics really, right? Bad sales, yeah, you know? So it's spread like welfare because we all know like negativity spreads faster. And I have to remind you, this is City of Camrose sales. In Flagstaff, we've done quite well. And Flagstaff has really picked up with their sales. So it is a lower price point. Right. Um, and that goes to see with who the buyers are. So there's more investors, there's more people from out of the area buying in to the area yeah. to have investment properties or to have a rental or right. you know whatever flip house or so with with everything that's going on in the marketplace um you know the news how has this the you know the news it's not news anymore but like the stress test mm. how how has that affected you know your agency what are real, what's what's your feedback on that, on that whole situation is it good is it bad Does okay. it improvement? you're asking that you're asking you're asking me the question so I've heard the answer from so many people, the stress test, the stress test, it's hurting so many people. You know what it's hurt? 
is that they cannot buy the house that they want. They can still buy a house. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get the house that they really want in that higher price point. So now, is, that, okay, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That is a great thing in my view. Okay. So I'm very, so if somebody comes to me and says, I'm approved for $425,000, my wife works full time, I work full time, whatever. This is my, this is my opportunity to shine my light and my love onto them. And you know, whether they take it or not, I always yep. say like, you know, what happens when you have kids or, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't just break the ice like that, but you know, like maybe we should set the, let's start looking at the 350s. Yeah. Give you a buffer. And then. You know, because the day could come and I'm the one doing that talking. I'm saying, you know what? Like, let's not go to the top of the price point because guaranteed they get to the top of the price point and they're at 425. They, they want to look at the 450s. Of course. Right? Yeah. And some realtors do that. They upsell, upsell, upsell. And then in two years, you're selling their house and they can't make any money off of it because you got realtor fees. They paid interest. Yeah. So I like getting people in. So I love the stress test and I know people are going to like bite down my throat, but this is the thing. The yep. stress test helps them to have a life. And I would say, mm -hmm. do you guys like, what do you guys like to do? So I'm the realtor that sits down and says like, do you like to travel? Do you like camping? How many trips a year do you take? Like what has, what's your lifestyle been like? Because yeah. you will be house poor right. if you go to the top. Right. I always said that. So I feel that, well, I had five buyers mm -hmm. in October of 2016, I believe this launched. Yep. So um, I had five buyers on the go, all of them pre-approved, ready to go. They, they had 90 days then from their pre-approval and the banks were honoring that after the stress test. Right. Okay. I didn't push one of those clients into a higher price property or whatever. We, I said, you know what? If we let's just see what we can afford yeah. after the stress test. Yeah. They all bought. I didn't lose any of those clients. Nice. Because you have to work with them. You can't just say, oh, what? like. Yeah. So they came back going, oh no. What if we don't find something in ninety days? And you know, then we we can't get what we want or whatever. And it's like, well, let's see what we can get and let's do an analysis of that. So what's the so what feedback have you gotten when you you know when you sit down with a client um, or a buyer, let's say, and then you tell them, you know, like, mm -hmm. hey. Let's not over leverage yourself because I think yeah. I think in Canada, if you if you look at the statistics, I think I think what was it like fifty percent of the population is like like living paycheck to paycheck that they're going to go broke more than that, yeah, right? Maybe. Like it's yep. it's crazy. Yeah. So what's what's the feedback that you get from them when you you know when you're, when you're trying you're obviously looking out for the best yes. interest, and I agree with that. But what's you know what's the feedback? Is it usually positive? Is it yeah? Like, what do they say? It brings up discussion and it builds trust. Yeah. So what I think has happened is that people trust me. I'm not out to sell them. I'm not a car sale like. Sorry, car salesman. I love car salesmen, but sorry, all dealerships. All dealerships. I love. I love. But the old antics are yeah. like you're a salesperson. You're just, just out. Right yeah, there. you're out to sell something, and so I think it builds trust because you're looking out for them in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I have had some people say like, "Nope, this is what we've done. We have this amount of money down. This is what we want to do." And I'm like, "Okay, as long as I've done my, in my ethical opinion, how yeah. I feel when I'm selling something, you know, just like when you do go in a car." dealership and say, you say, I have $15,000. This is what I want to spend. Right. And then all of a sudden they're showing you $25,000 new ones. Cause the payments are the same, right? So they're like, well, over, the payments over 20 years over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I know. And, yeah. and, and that's something that I feel is really important to recognize is that crisis happens in everyone's and yeah. that comes back from my human services also, yeah. right? Seeing that crisis happens even in the best of families. And if you lose an income or something happens and you have a child want to stay home, yeah. how are you going to make that work? Right. No, it's awesome. Um, I know, like even f I think, like when we moved to Cameros, it was the same concept. You know, we I knew 
like we're going from employed to self-employed. Uh, my wife was home with the kids. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted a house that was going to be low cost. Uh, like we bought for 260 ish I think that's yeah. what we bought for, uh, which is crazy. Yeah. You, know, you don't see that in Edmonton or Church Park, no. uh, which is fantastic. So that actually brings me an, an interesting point. So I'm a huge advocate for buying an older home mm-hmm. and renovating. Now, the reason is obviously I'm in the industry, so I'm a, I have a biased opinion. However, I've kind of seen... I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I think, I feel like there's a stigma in cameras of, and maybe I'm wrong, of people buying an older home and investing that money. Now, when I say that money in the sense of, of quality workmanship when it's done, you know, so bringing in a house built in the eighties, building, you know, bring it to 2019. Um, what's kind of your, what's your assessment on that? Like, is, is there, is that true? Are people afraid of buying older homes and renovating because of their, are they afraid of getting value? Are they going to get value if they invest? What's your take? Well, it depends. There's two types of buyers. Okay. So there's the buyer like yourself who's long-term and like wants to put in and live there and have lower cost of living. Mm-hmm. Then there's the buyer that wants to come in. It's their first home and they want to put some money into it, but in five years they want a, a nicer home. Yeah. So you have to kind of weigh, weigh out what are they wanting to invest. So is it going to be a $30,000 kitchen? No, mm-hmm. it's not. It's going to be an, an, an Ikea kitchen. It's going to yeah. be you know the $5,000 kitchen and the $5,000 flooring and that, and then they're going to sell it for a little bit more. They're going to make some more money on it. And then they're going to buy their second house that they might invest. It might still be an older home, but they're going to invest more money into it. So there's two different types of buyers that I recognize. And also first time home buyers or second time home buyers who want to do a, do a flip. Those are different as well. So what market are we in? How much are you paying for it? How much can we possibly sell for? We can't even say in this market how much more, we can sell for we can only look at the numbers so when we tell people like these are what the numbers show but we don't know what's right. going to happen so sometimes people say well if i put this kitchen there we get gonna get my money back i'll say well you may get your money back but yeah. you may sell you're gonna sell faster right. so the difference is is faster more important than more money or like so some people might say i'm out of here in a year i need to be out of here in a year i have a new job starting or I have yeah. whatever so then we'll be like hey well bathroom kitchen flooring like the, yeah. those are the things that are going to sell faster yeah. are you necessarily going to get all your money out of it no and so then sometimes they might choose to do um a not as beautiful renovation do you do you find that there's like maybe a you know like here i guess i know the city does an effective year if you do renovate you know, kind of oh, bumps okay. it up right yeah. but is there when it comes to buyers or even sellers is that is there that stigma of like hey you know i'm buying an older home i'm renovating it but it's still an older home does that perception still exist? Yes. And so let's start talk about mobile homes, for example. So yeah. mobile homes can get a new effective age, and we have done that three or four times with different sellers. So they've renovated, taken out everything, did you know the drywall, they've done everything right to make yeah. it look like a home. Yeah. Okay, so it's not the paneling stuff. Yeah. 1976. And then we're like, well, it doesn't look like a 1976. It has all these high-end things in it. We want to sell it as like a 2019. And then the city comes in and like you said, new effective age sells way faster. People, the insurance, we can't be, there's all the hoops you have to jump through. It helps. So if we can start doing that, and I didn't realize that we could do that on single family dwellings. Mm. Um, So if we can do that and encourage our sellers to do that, I think that will be so helpful because when you had 1978 and then with renovations, it means more to say new effective age, 2010. Right. Just probably like person's getting almost dropped the year built because it's still because you still like, like i said even you know our house you look it's a 1980s built by Zetson. it's a great house but you you still have that perception like oh you know as soon as you put that 1980s but if you look at the pictures you'll never you'll never know never ever in, in a million years you're like oh that was you know you think it's a brand new house in you know Bellevue yeah. west um 
So how do you, what, what do you think, how, how are people, what are people looking for when it comes to buying a house or selling a house? Like what's, what, where's the best, best bang for their buck in terms of renovating? In terms of renovating, yeah, I think somebody that wants to renovate, they have to have good bones and not a lot of structural walls that they want to blow out. Okay. So that's the biggest thing is when we walk into like the standard 1060, you know, three up, one bathroom up, you know, yeah. house oh, yeah. that has the wall and, and it's the standard. I mean, yeah. cameras has a lot of them. Yeah. Um, some people get so fearful of the wall and the plumbing and like they want an ensuite and like, how do they do that? So I think it's the bone. So when they walk into a larger, some of the homes have a larger footprint and yep. you'll see some of the older home, older homes, they'll have, you know, three quarters of the houses of the lot, right. which doesn't happen today. Right. right. So they'll be like, wow, like look at all the space that we totally can put everything where we want it to go. And then they real, they'll realize after they buy, like it's more money to do mm. it. It's a larger footprint. There's yep. more to do, um, further space to go to get plumbing, whatever. Yep. Um, so it's really, I think about what do the, what does the structure look like? Um, and the bones of it, like the foundation, I mean, in the 1950s and 60s, we're finding right now, a lot of the basements are a bone of contention, mm. you know, 40, yeah. whatever. They, you know, they're showing their age and we don't have, if anybody wants to open up this type of business in cameras, it would skyrocket is we have so many homes in the 50s to 70s that are having problems with basement erosion from the water yeah. table. There was a chemical reaction with the cement and the, the type of water. There's a chemical that they didn't realize in this area yeah. and it's eroding the bottom portion of where the water sits. So yeah. we do need to have some some way of rectifying that because it's killed so many of our deals. Yeah. Um, when it comes to home inspection, a lot of home inspectors go get somebody in that knows this and then there's nobody. I mean, right. you get a cement guy in and they're like, well, that's erosion and you know, in five years this could happen. That And it's like all this fear mongering. Yeah. We really need somebody that's in there that can help us with the basement issues in cameras in particular, because then we could sell a lot of those beautiful fur built mm -hmm. homes so much faster and right. they're solid. And I mean, those cement foundations are 18, two feet wide. Like they're not going anywhere. They're yeah. filled with stone. Yeah. It would be more money to remove the basement than it would to put a whole new basement in. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So I know this and I'm a farm girl raised on a farm with big two foot cement wall basements growing up, right. Yeah. That aren't going anywhere. It's just, to try to explain that to a buyer who's cautious and there's erosion and you know we need a, we need a fix of that. So I would say bones and if we could get the foundation issue under control, we would sell way more. So let's say that's let's say that's taken care of and you know I th I think a, a big when you're a buyer or a seller uh, or let's say focusing on buyers, you're always looking at the aesthetics of the of the property, right? Mm -hmm. Bones is important. Almost becomes secondary because if you walk into a house, you love it. You kind of mm -hmm. start to you know fall in love with the kitchen. Um, or whatnot, where, you know, if you were to recommend, if someone's like, hey, I bought this house, it's all original, I wanna renovate it, I'm gonna, you know, I wanna spend X amount of dollars, where should I put it? You know, should I renovate the bathroom? Mm -hmm. Should I paint it? Should I do the kitchen? Kitchen and floors. Kitchen and floors. Kitchen and floors is the biggest one. We walk in and as soon as somebody sees a kitchen, they, $50,000, and they throw out these numbers, and it's like so scary. You have somebody come in for a kitchen design, and um, they're worth their weight in gold. Right. But obviously kitchens can be pricey, especially yeah. custom kitchens, right? So people don't like that. So kitchens and flooring, I think the seamlessness of the flooring, yeah. paint and kitchen, bathrooms too, obviously, but for 
for a family, the kitchen or for any is the heart of the home. And if the kitchen isn't beautiful, everybody does the kitchen. You know what I mean? So it has to be a beautiful kitchen. So I would say if anybody wants to, you know, flip a house or anything, I would say start with the kitchen. Even if you can, even if your budget's not there, like take down the doors, paint them, do something, yeah, do something, upgrade them. You know, go get new countertops from Rona. Like if you, you know what I mean? Like just do what you can with the space that you have. Yeah. Um, and the kitchen is the heart of the home. So awesome. Um, when it comes to negotiating, um, obviously, you know, the real estate agents always looking out for the, the best interest of their client. What are some tips that you give a seller when it comes to negotiating? And then what, what are some tips you give a buyer when it comes to negotiating? Okay. So, so there's a whole bunch of different situations. So that's really, really just an open air question. So sometimes we might run into a situation where um, there's something called common law agency in cameras, which means that we can actually show our own properties and sell our own properties. Whereas if in BC or Saskatchewan, you can't do that. Mm. So, so that situation is a different type of situation. So what we like to do here is to coach our clients um, in advance. So if we, you know, get this offer, this is the type of negotiating we do. If this is the type of offer, this is the type of negotiating we do. I don't want to like say that publicly of what we all yeah. do, but at the same time, we do a lot of coaching pre listing or during the listing process. So that if we do end up with a buyer that we can't coach, and a seller that we now can't coach. We've already done the coaching for a seller and the buyer kind of knows that already and we've already coached the buyer. So we've kind of in essence coached during the process of signing them into the buying. So that's how we kind of deal with the dual agency so we can yep. have hands off and we can say, okay, well here's the stats and this is how, you know, this is what the range is and this is what we've already discussed on your list, okay? So that's the dual agency part. Now, when you get into negotiations, I honestly wish that more buyers would take the emotion out. Mm -hmm. So, and sellers well, as well. Yeah, you're well, you're tied so, to it, right? Right. So, <laughs> one of the very first things that we like to say to listing clients is, you know, what is your why are you selling? Mm -hmm. What's your why? And if they're like, well, I think it's just time, and you know, we've been here for thirty years, and whatever, whatever, and it's been such a good house, and they start going on on a story about their house you know they're not really emotionally detached from their home. Right. So we like to have that discussion. And there's some sellers that say, I don't care, just tell me what to do I need out of this house. And you yeah. know that like the detachment is there already. Yeah. So sometimes the buyer gets emotionally attached to um, winning. So, mm. oh, yeah. so when they are, if they're very competitive or whatever, and they'll lose a deal over $500, they'll lose their house over $500. I've had a deal where I said, I will throw in the $500. I will throw in the $500. No, done. Like really? they just were so mad at the seller that they didn't oh. even want to live in that house because of the seller. Interesting. So, I mean, if we could give any advice, it would be please just remove the emotional, like detach yourself. This is business. This is your lifelong home. Right. Those people will not be living in your home right. when you live in it. Yeah. So they're not winning for life. <laughs> you have right. their home, right? Um, so I think that's the best tip I could give. Yeah. And for sellers, I would say when it comes to negotiating, listen to what your realtor has said in the beginning of the list process. Mm -hmm. So if the, the realtor said, uh, okay, well, we're legitimately should be selling this house for 265 and then you list it for 285 because right. you think everybody's Cause, cause, lowballing. Cause the, the seller makes the final call on the list price. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Seller will always make the final call on the list. Um, sometimes I've turned down listings because it's been grossly overpriced and mm -hmm. I just maybe don't want my name tied to that or, you know, just, yeah. it, I know that it'll be just really hard yeah. to do um, to get that price down. So it's basically, I always explain to the list, to the listers, to the sellers, you know, we're in the business of selling. We're not in the business of listing. Right. So we're not a list in C, we're a list in sell. Mm. 
Right. Okay. So when we sit down with people, um, it's important that we tell them like, this is what we think it's going to sell for. Mm -hmm. Now, if you list at this price, when we get an offer, you can't be offended because this is the price that it is. So this is the price that market says that it's going to sell for. Right. So that's, I think the biggest thing is sellers need to realize is that when you list 20,000 above, just like the market had said in 2015 to 2019, we are only $2,000 less in our sale price, right. but we were 20,000 more in our list price. Right. From so 2015. Very, so very similar then. Very similar. So people need to realize like your realtor is working for you. They're there to sell your property, right. listen to their advice. And when you get to the negotiating part, you know, that's, unfortunately that's the time where you need to sit down and say like, okay, well the realtor did say it was going to sell for this. So let's right. negotiate fairly. Right. And I, I guess like you're in every situation is different in terms of, you know, where they're coming from, how quickly they want to get out. So like, you know, like when you say market value or what mm-hmm. the market's willing to bear, I completely agree with you because, you know, like, like, like you said, everyone, you know, you buy a house, you renovate it uh, or you do whatever to it. And then all of a sudden you're like, I think it's worth X. Mm-hmm. Right. But then, you know, the buyer is yep. really going to like whatever they're offering, not sorry, whatever you agree upon to sell. That's the, that's the actual value, whether well, it's undervalued, overvalued, it be, whatever. Right? I have a property right now that's probably worth a million, million bucks. Mm. It's like to rebuild it and to have it and all yep. that. But I mean, what we can get for it is only as much as the consumer is willing to pay. Right. So Levi jeans, I mean, for example, they were at uh, almost $200 a pair. And I recently realized like they're back down to 80 bucks a pair. Yeah. You know, so like it's what the consumer is willing to pay yeah. for a product, yeah. and that's what market value is. So, it your house, I mean, it could be worth four hundred thousand dollars. You could have invested that much money, or you could feel like it's exactly the same as this. But right. what market value is is what somebody's willing to pay. And when you're sitting with a seller who says, "I want this amount of money, yeah. and I'm not going below this amount," but we're this far apart, is it worth it to take the listing? Mm. Because then you're going to be the jerk realtor who didn't sell it. Right. Yeah, then you're at fault. And we're at fault, right? We didn't sell it. Not at fault, but like... Yeah, and and I would say nine out of ten times, and I'm being very cautious when I say this, but nine out of ten times, a lot of times uh, people will call us and they'll say, oh, this person didn't sell my property, and they did nothing to sell it, and then yet they come and list, we call it the hero realtor, Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that get the listing for the price that the first realtor said it should sell for. Right. So we don't like that in our industry. We like to support each other and and to build each other up, and um, unfortunately, it's it's out of our hands right? right so you know I think it's fair to say we're still in an economic downturn and mm-hmm. everything that we're dealing with um, you know federally provincially um, is it is it a smart time to buy a home in an economic downturn absolutely and I'll tell you why so in an economic that was be my next question okay actually. so <laughs> a- absolutely in an economic so in a downturn yeah. we have a whole different type of property Price. Mm. I mean, for the we have a lot more under two hundred thousand. Okay, yeah. a lot, a lot more on the market. So a lot of people are getting rid of their rental properties to maybe keep the lifestyle that they were living or what mm. have you, right? Yeah. So now we have a lot of opportunity for investors to come in and buy, or people who have always thought of investing or increasing their portfolio. So yeah. they're buying those two hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollar properties. I mean, there's been a few properties in the last year and a half that have sold for the price that a lot would sell for yeah and now they're renting them out i yeah, mean you have, you have the, the house is there the house is there the cars, i mean i sold a three bedroom one bath bungalow by um charlie killam school just a couple of blocks away from charlie killam school i sold it for like one hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars with a double detached garage wow. i mean I mean, there's things that I, yeah. when I first got to real estate, that would not have been heard of. Like the, the land is a hundred grand, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um, 
it's very different now that so the lower like there's things that are way lower in price that yep. you can get and I think the averages why they speak so differently is because we have higher price properties right now yeah. that are selling that are bringing our averages up yeah. but we have a lot more market on the under 200,000 interesting so what's your opinion on um, this is this, this will be an interesting question I think um, cameras I think you know our house average house pricing is obviously lower than Edmonton mm -hmm. and, and Church Park and St. Albert um, However, the one thing one thing I've noticed some of the newer builds in let's say Bellevue West they're pretty pricey, pretty, mm -hmm. even Creekview. I know I've seen some listings almost pushing seven hundred thousand. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Speak to that. Is Speak that, to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What is that? You know, like in, obviously an economic downturn. Um, I, I know cost of construction is always every year it's going up. Is that is that a smart thing to do? Is in, is it um, is that really is it or is it more person you know case by case? Obviously, you know how much you can carry in terms of the debt load. Um, like to me, like I said, I'm I'm low overhead guy. I yeah. like like small house, small yeah. you know family. Yeah. We can live like I can live in a shack yeah. if I want if I have yeah. with three kids. But that's my opinion, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So what you know we're put like like I said like there's a few houses I know are pushing seven hundred thousand in cameras, which I think is fair. But like I, it it's is. just yeah. wow. It's just I just want like the thing is is like the clientele. So if you're building and I love our builders, okay? Like I just think. They probably started building in 2016 or had the plan. And every good builder will have a two, three year plan in advance for their spec homes. Mm -hmm. Now they're they're seeing into the future and they're doing the crystal ball thing and yeah. they're and they're like, hey, 2016, we had high prices, we had 88 days on market. 2016 was a was our boom, really. Yeah. Okay. In the last eight years, because 2008 and 2016. Yeah. So but so if they decided that 2016 they're building this beautiful spec home, and there's been a few of them. Yep. We're at 2019 now. It's a different market. Yeah. So that spec home that they started uh, was really sad. It's sad because no builder right now, in my opinion, should be doing a spec home. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, sad as it is, you need to do spec, to spec homes to survive. Yep. But if you're doing a spec home, uh, you're at such a great risk right now to have it sit on the market. So you're better off to start um, dealing with realtors and asking oh. what the realtors want, what yeah. their buyers want, yeah. um, and custom building, whether it's a 1060 bungalow. Yeah. And I don't know uh, why, and like, this could be, but I don't know why there's such grandeur, like grandeur houses that are being built instead of like, why aren't we going to the, to the you know, the 1060, but make it beautiful? Like how, oh, absolutely. like why aren't we having those types of homes that people can say and afford and be in that, you know, 300,000 and not have shoddy workmanship and yeah. not have the, oh, builder grade, you know, that's a builder grade. And the shoot up two stories, like, I mean, it's a city planning issue as well with mm -hmm. the, the narrow lots. Yeah. But I mean, we're selling the older homes, you know, in the 250s, you know, and under, and they're renovating them because they're getting the footprint, they're getting yeah. the yard, they're getting a nicer, uh, solid home, like in old, better built, like, you know, the yeah. fur floors yeah. and, you know, they're getting a solid home. Um, so that's where I'm kind of wondering why the builders aren't, um, and I don't know anything about the building industry really, but I do know that when you're building over $400,000 homes in a recession and they're sitting, that's got to hurt you. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I would give advice to say to, to stay at the 300 mark if they can build a house for that. I don't know. And build a decent home mm -hmm. in a decent neighborhood. Go get some in like infills or like the older neighborhoods and, and build. Yeah. So. Do you think there's any, um, so talking about that, is there, 
is there value when it comes to well I've lost my train of thought when it comes okay so when it comes to a house what's more important location or features of the home in terms of you know qual- what's in a quality or everything else comes with it so like so for example let's say if I had a house um, north of train tracks mm-hmm. you rent it you know, you put, let's say you put so much money into it to make it beautiful okay or is it is it worth or is it better to have a house let's say in Valley View less less desirable finishes let's say builder let's say builder grade mm-hmm. where do you where do you think where, where's the what's the market kind of leaning towards more so mm, good question uh Cameras is such a weird little area. It has weird little like <laughs> yeah. pockets of like no schools place, like yeah. no schools. So when you talk about like across the tracks, you're talking about two different areas. So we are actually three different areas. We have Victoria Park, we have Sparling, and then we have the Rosebud okay. area. And so we have three different markets there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So somebody might say that, you know what, I really want to live in the Sparling area, St. Pat's area. Yep. And it's okay, but I want to decked out house yeah. right but then somebody else might say hey i want my kids to go to jack stewart school and you have to keep in mind most of these people are not dual income right uh families with no kids they do have kids or they're planning on having kids so the right. school issue is a big deal in cameras yeah and we hear that a lot which school will the kids go to yeah or maybe where's the most amount of children like creekview has a lot of oh, yeah. elementary and you know junior high kids so the families get to know each other and they have that central park area uh, after school, they're just packed in there, you know, people and families and kids and parents are all down there. So um, I would say that the community is really, it's dependent on what the person wants. And some people want the community of what Creekview offers, mm-hmm. but they don't have the funds to afford a three hundred eighty or $450,000 house. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to live in a duplex for two fifty. So right. there's no real in between. And right. that's the thing is we don't have that like, what we would have in the older neighborhoods, right? Right. So then, yeah. So it's really based on um, the buyer what they really are are wanting. Is it like finishes or is it location? Like it's up to them. I would say everyone's different. Um, yeah. I would say that there's one area in cameras that, or two little areas, two pockets that people say, "Well, I really love the house, but I hate the area, and I just can't live here." Right. So. What, you know, you, right? you can't really, you can't really determine that. I always say to people, well, you're 20 minutes from anywhere walking in cameras. So really sure. you're, you're kind of every, like, I wish I could say cameras doesn't really have locations anymore. Like, right. but we kind of have made them. It's true. And, and it's funny. I think when you, when you move to camera, like, for, like when my wife and I first moved here, like we were commuting all like 30 minutes to Shore Park where we used to live like one way. So like driving, we got used to. So then we moved here, like everything's five minutes away drive time, right? Which is great. Uh, and then. And then as you kind of live here for a while, you kind of like, oh, it's across town. And you're like, yeah, it's like, you five, minute, it's like yeah, five minutes you driving, like, oh, I don't want to get, I don't want to go there. Right? <laughs> but it's true. You kind of get like, you kind of get um, comfortable with, with the situation. It's all relative to a certain degree, right? Um, that's, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's actually, that's really funny. Um, here's a, an interesting question. Is, is there a certain age where there's a significant drop in value or interest from people in buying a certain house? So what I'm asking is mm-hmm. the life, like the life of a house. What is there a certain age where they don't sell anymore, or huge value drop? What do you, what do you think on that? Well, into our heritage homes, mm-hmm. we oh, find yeah. um, a different type of buyer. Right. So we either in the heritage homes in the Calgary, the heritage homes downtown, two separate buyers. Yep. So when we have heritage homes that are like you know 100 years old, do they want to run a business? Mm. If it's in the downtown, right? So then they, they're a different type of buyer. They have more money down. They can renovate. 
you know, it's basically that's how it goes. And then over here in the college area, um, we have people who are saying, well, maybe I can like rent out rooms and we can make it really eclectic and really nice. And they're most of the time are not renovating to huge extension, like or to huge extent. Um, so I would say that the, the heritage homes are more of a struggle, basements, all those types of things. The wiring usually has knob and tube in it. Like what, what, the heritage homes, what year? I would say like 100 year old. Really? Yeah, like 100 year old homes, um, 80 year old, I don't know, like they're, honestly, any of them that are the two story old, like Sears built, you know, like type of home, you can tell which ones they are and they're harder sales and yep. they're going for a lot less money and people who do have money um, to invest, um, you know, they do make investment properties out of it or for their kids when they're going through college or whatever. So I would find that that one's a little bit getting a little bit tougher. Whereas I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, everybody wanted a heritage home and they were so expensive and like, you know, and now I think people are starting to be like, Oh, there's a lot of problems in them. And there's a lot of, yep. you know, water in the basement and there's like electrical issues and Oh no, we didn't realize we didn't realize. Yeah. So I hear that more often. And then the other part of, um, the age thing is in trailer. I, I talk about mobile homes. I guess I shouldn't call them trailers anymore. Mobile homes. Yep. So anything that's over, I think, fifteen years old, it's super difficult to finance. So over we have 15? fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. So even if they're on their own land. Oh, I see. What you're saying. So we need to make sure that people are educated on that level. That when they're going and looking at those homes, that they should be um, extensively renovated. Um, you know, and maybe get they have to get the new effective age so that they can get the financing they need. Now on the single family dwelling homes, I would say that as long as there's not the water issue in the basement with the, ba the foundation again, yep. I would say that they sell the fastest um, just for the fact that they're a good solid home and they're in a nice neighborhood and people are willing to put a little bit more money into them and mm -hmm. live for a long time there. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say there's like an age asbestos has been an issue you know mm -hmm. so people ask like well is this the year of asbestos you're like I don't know and like most of the time people who go to sell right now they're you know, they're covering it over or yeah. they're, you know, so you wouldn't know. It's mm -hmm. like, well, there's a brand new floor over top of a brand new floor over top of asbestos. Like there's, I mean, yeah, I would say that the age doesn't really matter all that much until you get into the really old heritage mm -hmm. homes or, I mean, windows, let's talk about the, yeah. the wood windows. Wood windows, have, so wood windows have been a big deal. So an aluminum frame windows. So yeah. any condensation stuff. So if you get into the eighties homes, you see either the wood sliders or you see like, well, 70s wood sliders or the 80s, you see the aluminum the sliders, sliders, right? Yeah. And so it's just funny because like there could be no water, no condensation, great aluminum sliders, well kept and people are like, that's bad, like we don't want them. So I guess it's what have people done to, to improve the property? It could be yeah. the same R value. I've had um, home inspectors and um, window guys come in and say like, our value is the same it's double pain this is great like mm. relatively the same in you know it would increase you know for the condensate like you know there's different reasons why they put them in however it's not that much of a reason to invest fifteen thousand dollars you know what i mean yeah. so the homeowner's like well i've had the window guys in and they've told us this and then you have the buyer come in and go well i need to spend fifteen thousand on the windows right you get fifteen thousand dollars off and most of the time you drive by and they've never put new windows in yeah just the yeah. Right? So, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to tell you, but it's just dependent <laughs> yeah. on what somebody has for funds and what type of need they have yeah. in that home. Okay, so let's go back in time. Um, you are a first time home buyer. Uh, you kind of know the market, obviously, with, the, all, with all the experience you have as a realtor. 
where would you buy your first home? Like what, what, what advice would you give to a first time home buyer? Where would you buy in cameras right now? Okay. If I were to buy again, I would buy in probably the Mount Rose, Mount Joy, Mount Claire area. And what kind of house would you buy? A bungalow. Why bungalow? And a larger print bungalow. I'd probably buy like a 13 or 1400 square foot bungalow. Good size, yeah. You know, the ones that are the seventies style. Yep. Um, and people are loving them. We just sold one on 43rd, 65th, mm -hmm. uh, last year. Um, sold for a really, really decent price because yeah. it was a 70s style and nobody wanted it and it was just awful. Yeah. And uh, one of our clients bought it and uh, renovated it and did a great job. And now within a week on the market, it's already got a pending offer. Nice. I would buy one of those. Yeah. Yep. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to Lance, okay, so how much... Is, how much is landscaping or curb appeal a factor when it comes to selling a home? Big trees. I'm a farm girl. I love big trees, yeah. but it's bizarre to me. I will. Tr <laughs> it's only bizarre to me because I'm a farm girl and okay. I love trees. And, yeah. But you know, they'll say, "I got to remove all these trees. It's going to cost you know thirty thousand dollars because there's ten spruces. It's three thousand dollars a tree, whatever, right?" right. And uh, so trees, huge trees in the yard are a deterrent yeah. to most people. And then you get the odd one that will come up and be like, "Wow, I love all the privacy of all these trees." Right. So if there are trees, we always say get a septic scope done, just to make, make, yeah. just to make sure it's two hundred sixty bucks. You know, it's a, a cheap expense to get that inspection done. Yeah. Um. So I would say that curb appeal is one of. I mean, it's. They drive by and if they don't really like the way it looks on the outside but the inside's awesome they yeah. might change their tune when they get in and yeah. you know but no awesome um what else? oh here's a really interesting does I, I haven't heard about this but i was talking to florian he said this this he's heard it through the grapevine does cameras have a population cap he's heard like we were kind of sitting where we were saying 18,000 people mm -hmm. 17, with, 17 yeah. 18 um with slow growth mm -hmm. is there any, any 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 theories on what's going on? Why we're not growing exponentially? Because I think it was it was it eighties or when were we there was I think we had a big boom at one point mm -hmm. right from twelve to wherever we mm -hmm. are now. Um, any thoughts on that? Well, I grew up here. Okay. Right? This was yeah. the city. Okay. Yeah. So when you grow up in Daisland, this is the city. Yeah. And I would say that in the eighties it boomed. Mm -hmm. You know, we got a Zellers. We got, we got some things, right? Yeah. And um, shopping became really, really prevalent here in cameras where people were, were not having to go to the city and it wasn't just the privileged kids from out right. east that got to go. We started getting things in cameras that our parents could stop in at a store and, and, and right. get. So I think um, the shopping has changed things. So people have been moving more here. Like um, when I was dating, there was a, a gentleman I was dating and he said, I can never move to cameras. There's not a Starbucks or a dog park. And like three years later, we got a Starbucks in right. a dog park. Yeah. So it's like, that's really cool. Like we, so people have this perception of where they'll live. Yeah. And when I was growing up and even I've heard this still today is that they say cameras is for the newlywed and the nearly dead. Yeah. That's so I've heard that. Yeah. So we need another, um, you know, we need another populace of people coming in for jobs. Yeah. Um, and, and we're agriculturally based and we're seeing a lot of egg go to commercial egg. Mm -hmm. So a lot of farmers are moving to town to those six and seven hundred thousand dollar homes. Yeah. That's what we're seeing. Yeah. Selling the family farm to a commercial or to the you know, commercial industry of yeah. um, farmers. Yeah. And uh, and just living out their life in cameras in the city and they're not repopulating obviously right. because they're retired and right. done. Um, so we need to have some sort of industry come in that 
Um, we have a high professional industry. Mm-hmm. We do. We have you know a lot, but we also need to substantiate that. We can't just have it for no reason. We right. need to have that industry here. So I think that's what's happened, mm-hmm. and I think that's why people are seeking outside jobs. And they're commuting. Some are commuting, you know, from Edmonton to Camrose. Yeah. Um, but in your opinion, uh, final question. In your opinion, what? Final question. Final question. Uh, in your opinion, what what's the next? Like, what do you think the next year is going to look like on, in terms of real estate? Do you have? Do you have some well, Cole Banker is going to rock. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Like here, we're just going to kill it. But um, yeah, I think that right now, and this is what I was going to speak to too. I did have some little sales numbers here too, but um, we really believe that because we have such a low amount of inventory right now, like we have fifty three less homes like on the market as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, active listings. Oh, pardon me. We have we had two hundred and twenty last year active listings. This time we only have one hundred and seventy. So what okay. is that? So Whatever. Fifty. Less fifty yeah, fifty. So when you have less listings, you have less obviously less inventory. You would hope that if we start seeing this shift happen, where you have lots of listings and you don't have the buyers, and then you have an imbalance. Right now yeah. we're starting to get level again, yeah. and then it's soon enough it's gonna spin hoping that maybe with a change we hear a change of government but i think this is a change of our attitude so if i'm being quite honest with everybody and leave this uh, podcast with anything is just to be positive um when you hear a negative comment check the source check where they're coming from if it's from a realtor and they're saying that everything's dead and not selling check what their stats are what are they doing for open houses how are they working in the market um don't always believe what you hear and just Get the facts. Listen to the Monday morning market report. You'll yeah. hear what's happening on Facebook, yeah. and uh, and just be positive because yeah, some people have lost their jobs or had to take substantial pay cuts, um, but also selling your home and getting into something more affordable is an option. And mm-hmm. we're ready, willing, and able to help you yeah. um, do that. And uh, it's actually a real honor for us to do that type of transition for people and help people in that way for myself especially, I love that. And I love the fact that people are trusting us um, with our first homes too. So we do take the prize for, you know, the under 300 of sales. Um, We don't really have in at Cobalt Banker here, like a niche market of the over 350s, Mm -hmm. which we'd like to have. But right now um, our market is for under 350 um, sales here. Okay, I lied, one more question. Oh, one more question. Why, why, Why choose Cobalt Banker versus anybody else? Oh. Well, you know what? That's that's a tough one because I don't like I don't like I will compare. I won't say not to choose somebody else because everybody. But there's three things that sell a property. There's price, pictures, and personality. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say we rock at personality. We really help you with all of your pricing, giving the information, the reports, the correct CMA that you're getting is yep. a report form. Um, you're getting our time and our commitment, and the pictures are phenomenal. We have exclusively hired somebody that will only work for us, mm-hmm. and she is amazing and. Um, our staging person that we work with I mean we and also our agents are out there working so I can say that I do hold a very high standard anybody who's worked for me in the past in any industry will know that I hold a very high standard Um, and I just I feel like everybody's really meeting that or exceeding that and they're working so hard and diligent to sell that person's home and we want that to shine we want them to know and the buyers as well you know, giving them the time and the commitment and the loyalty to them mm-hmm. to make sure that we're out there showing them properties. And, you know, I heard one realtor say, oh, you were working with that person for a year. I give them up after three to six months. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like there are people who need to make a lifelong decision. You stick right. with them. So I would say that's what makes us stand apart. And the fact that, 
you know, we're doing all the community involvement. We're out there talking to people. We're investing in our community. We're giving back. And uh, we have a team here that um, contribute to team marketing. So mm-hmm. what we've changed is the team marketing is, uh, you know, an av- when I started in the business, when you had a listing, it was your listing and right. only your listing. And don't mess with that listing. And this person would have these listings and you, maybe they let you do an open house in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was kind of don't market my, it's my seller. They don't want you marketing that, whatever. Right. When I became the broker, I really wanted to change the face of real estate here in Camrose uh, for our business. And I said, you know, the brokerage owns the listings and everybody, if you're a new realtor, you come in, you have all of the listings. Mm-hmm. So you contact the listing realtor, who's the first point of contact for that seller. Let them know that you want to do an open house on this day uh, or that you're going to market it in a paper or that you're going to market it on Facebook and go ahead and do it. Yeah. So um, every single seller has to sign a service agreement um, acknowledging the fact that any realtor can market their property and all the sellers love it. Mm. So um, that's how we've created a different team environment here that when we get a new listing, it's not like, oh, that person got a new listing. It's the brokerage got a new listing. It's amazing. So we all get to shine. We all get to market it. We all get to um, help that person sell it. And it's just different. It's a different atmosphere. Yep. Awesome. Anything else you want to add to before we wrap up the show? I don't know. You've covered a lot in uh, in a short amount of time. But yeah, you just thank great. you. Thank you very much for having me talk about real estate. And Awesome. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thanks so thank much. You. Appreciate it. Eh? Thank you. That was Jessica Pidecombe, broker of Coldwell Banker. Uh, I thought there's tremendous value there. I hope you guys did enjoy the show. Please like, subscribe, and share, and let us know who you'd love to see on the show.